Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. A big welcome to anybody here who is new. Um, Lovely to see you. And also a reminder that we are going to be celebrating and blessing the marriage of Emma and Paul after this service today. So if you want to stay around and join us for that. And I actually thought about this topic um, before I realized that it was going to be the marriage blessing of Emma and Paul. And God spoke to me about just love, about love, love, love. And so that's the title of my topic. It fits really well with today as we celebrate Emma and Paul's love. And I would say a special hello to our friends in the creche. Did you know that we have a screen in there and they can see what's happening? Isn't that amazing? People spent time doing that so that our creche parents and carers don't feel left out so they get to listen along as well. So it's nice to know that they're hearing too. So love. We all love to be loved. Who would say that they've ever fallen in love? Raise your hand. It's good to see the people that are now married have put their hands up. That's a really positive sign. Um, Would be a bit worrying otherwise. Yes, so we all love to love. We love to be loved. We talk about love. I love that song. I love that film. I love this dinner. I love your T-shirt. I love being outside. We write films about love. We write books about love, poetry. We create art about love. We love to be loved, and we love to love. And love is also mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. And so we're going to be looking at today verses in Matthew. Matthew 22, if you have a Bible and want to turn with me to Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. And a little bit of context around this. At this point, Jesus and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are the religious leaders of the day and and the teachers, they're having like a little bit of a battle going on. So um, they are kind of coming at each other. They're trying to trip Jesus up. They're saying, what about this Jesus? And they're trying to get him to contradict himself. And so they're having this little battle. And this is part of that. And so in Matthew 22, 34, we're going to pick that up. And it says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Great stuff. Is that better? It was a bit bit crackly. Um, So if anyone doesn't know what the word commandment means, it means divine law. And if you were here last week, Jonas mentioned the Ten Commandments where Moses um, was in exile with the people of Israel and he went up to the mountain to be in the presence of God and he wrote on some stone tablets these Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments included things like do not worship any other God, do not create false idols, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And all of those Ten Commandments fit into these two commandments. So love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So when they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He's like, well, it's easy. Everything fits into love. 
And we know that love is important because, like I said, it's mentioned throughout the Bible. And in John 3.16, we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In Song of Songs, we read that love is as strong as death. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 8, we read that it covers a multitude of sins. It's a fruit of the Spirit, as we read in Galatians 5. And in 1 John 4, we know that love, perfect love, casts out all fear and that God is love. And it was love that held Jesus on the cross and love that brought him out of the grave again three days later, having defeated evil and death with love. And love is our greatest weapon and our greatest commandment. And I regularly bring myself back to this point of these passages. When I feel overwhelmed by the situations that I see in the world, when I feel overwhelmed by deep theological questions that I don't fully understand, I regularly bring myself back to this place. And I think if I love God and I love my neighbor, then I can't go wrong. There are some divine Miracles. There are some divine questions that I will never know the answer to. And that's okay until I come into the presence of God. That's okay. All God's asked me to do is to love him and to love my neighbor as myself. And C.S. Lewis wrote this, Though our feelings come and go, his love for us does not. Isn't that brilliant? As humans, our feelings come and go and change, but God's love for us never ever changes. And so we know what Jesus, the kind of love that Jesus is talking about and the Bible tells us to, and we understand the love of God. However, the world shows us quite a different type of love. The world tells us that love is a game and I'll love you as long as you love me and love and lust are so entwined together. We think that love blossoms on an island watched by 3.3 million people (laughs) between the ages of 16 and 24. These people are learning that love comes from how beautiful you are or the clothes that you wear or how intelligent you are. We're not taught that you are loved because you are lovable just as you are. We're taught you're loved if you change. You know that there's articles online you can search how to be more lovable. What do I need to do to make myself more attractive to somebody? But God tells us you are loved, you are loved, you are loved because you are loved because you are loved. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it kind of um, summarizes this. It should come up on the screen so you don't need to flick there. It says... Do not love the world or anything in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful people, the lust of their eyes, and the boasting of what they have and do comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we have the the world's version of love, which I actually think is quite cheap. It's quite warped. And when we understand the richness and goodness of God's love, you look at the world and you think, ah, that love doesn't tempt me anymore. I don't need to be better for you to love me. I don't need to look different for you to love me because I'm loved just as I am. 
But it's hard because when we're perpetuated an idea constantly of what we need to do and what we need to look like to be loved, it's difficult to shake that. But luckily, we have two things that can really help us with that. So we've got the Bible, which is just basically the greatest love story ever written from beginning to end. You can find short stories in there about love, but the overarching theme of everything in this Bible is love. Even before Jesus, even in the Old Testament, it's all about love. And we also have the Spirit. Like I said before, in in Galatians 5, we're told that love is a fruit of the Spirit. So if we have accepted the Lord into our hearts and we have the Holy Spirit living within us, then love is a fruit of that. We will display love because we have the Spirit within us. And the Bible gives us this really beautiful definition of love. And you've probably heard it before. You've probably read it before. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, and it says this, If I speak in human or angelic tongues but have not love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so that's our godly definition of love. And I thought I'd look it up in the dictionary, see what the dictionary says about love. It's normally a good place to start. It just said love is a strong feeling. And I thought, oh. (laughs) that's not very inspiring so then I turned to the bible which I probably should have done first and found this definition of love which is much more inspiring but who would say that they love all people all the time in this way nobody me neither (laughs) it is not easy in fact I would say it is impossible for us to love all people in that way all the time however as Christians, we desire to become more like Christ every day. So it's not a cop out. Oh, I can't. I'm never going to be able to love people in that way all the time. It's actually just something to inspire us to come back to and to say, God, forgive me. I've not loved your people the way I should have done. I've not loved myself the way I should have done. I've not loved you the way I should have done. And I will strive to do this better. And we can come back to this place and we can read this list of what love is. But These are actually symptoms of love. So if you have love in you, this is what you display. So if you have love in you, then you are patient, you are kind. Because you can't do those things without love. Like it says before, if you can do things that we would think that are really good, like giving all you possess to the poor or speaking the um, prophetic word and angelic tongue. But if you do it without love, you're just a resounding gong or you gain nothing. So we can do things that seem to be good without love and and it's nothing and we can have love within us and do these things and this is the symptoms that will be displayed. We will be what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. So if we go back to Matthew 22, having understood what the Bible tells us about love, 
I can see that it, for me, it splits into three areas. So we're told to love God with everything that we have, our soul, our heart, and our mind. And then we're told to love our neighbors as ourselves. So for me, God split that into three areas. He said, you've got to love me. You've got to love yourselves so that you can love your neighbor. So I just want to quickly touch upon that. And it talks about when we love God, it talks about, it's kind of splits into these three areas, heart, soul, and mind. So um, in Proverbs 4, 23, it talks about our hearts. It says we're to guard our hearts because our hearts are the wellspring of our lives. So that's what it says about our hearts. And in Psalm 42, it talks about our soul. It says that our soul longs after God, just as a deer longs after fresh water. And in Romans 12, it says that we can be transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we would know what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our heart, our soul, and our mind are the three things that make us unique. Our our physical body is a shell that holds these three things. These three things are what make us who we are. And God is telling us to love him with our heart, our soul, and our mind, our unique parts. So basically saying, just love me with everything. Just love me with everything that you have. And then when I mentioned earlier that, that, that I think it splits into these three areas of God, yourself, and your neighbor, I was thinking on this, and actually those three areas are so linked that I can't really separate them. Because you can't love God if you don't love what he's so lovingly created, and that's all of us, that's everybody. And to fully love yourself, you need to understand and accept that you are a miracle created by a higher being for a higher purpose. If you don't understand that, you cannot love yourself in the way that God has asked you to love yourself. And you can't love your neighbor if the love of God doesn't live within you and you haven't spent time in his presence filling up your cup with his love ready to pour it out on the people around you. So those three go hand in hand in hand. You see, I find in my life there's a vicious cycle that can happen when I'm not spending time with God, understanding the love of God for me and understanding the love of God for those around me and giving God my love. There's a vicious cycle that I get into. And so it starts with, I haven't spent time with God. Maybe I've had a a busy day or something. And so then I start to lose focus of who God is in my life. I forget that he's seated on the throne, that he's above everything, that he's the king of kings and the Lord of all. And then I forget who I am in God. And I start to put myself down and I say I'm not capable. And I point out my flaws and maybe I start to point out the flaws of those around me because I've forgotten who they are in God as well. And I stop evangelizing. I stop telling people about how God has changed my life and the goodness of God and and how everything has changed for me. Then I start to work in my own strength. And I do from a place of duty rather than a place of love. And and then my loving is empty. I start to think that I've got nothing within me because I'm not doing it in the strength of God like we're told to do. I'm doing it in my own strength. And then I say, well, I'm too tired, so I don't have any time to spend with God because I've been too busy trying to do everything myself. And if you're not careful, you can just keep going in this spiral. 
However, Jesus modeled to us the right cycle and the way to be with God so that we can pour out ourselves in ministry in a, in a healthy and right way. And before Jesus started his ministry, he spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the desert. He took himself away from distractions. He took himself away from, uh, I'd say, pretty much anything. I can't imagine there'd be much out there. And he spent 40 days and 40 nights solely in the presence of God, understanding what God had called him to do, understanding who he was and is in God as part of God and the Trinity, filling himself up with the love of God, ready to pour himself out, but also loving God and being in his presence and learning from God and having a great communion with God. And he didn't just do it this one time right at the beginning. We see it throughout his ministry. Jesus regularly retreated to pray and be in the presence of his father filling himself up so that he had something to pour out to those around him in his ministry so love is our greatest commandment we can't have God in our hearts and not display the fruit of love but it's hard because the world shows us a different type of love. However, we have our Bible and we have the Spirit to show us God's way of loving. And we need to keep ourselves out of this vicious cycle and we need to model ourselves on Jesus and the way that he lived his life. And as I come to a close, there's one thing I'd like us to do. I'd like us to use our imagination because, as I mentioned before, we can be transformed by the renewal of our minds and our imagination comes from our minds. It's the faculty of our consciousness. So I'd like us to close our eyes for a moment and just imagine something together. Our imagination is such a powerful tool. So imagine if you embodied the 1 Corinthians 13 example of love. You were always kind, always patient, always trusting, never envious or boastful or proud, that you didn't keep a record of the wrongs that had been done against you, that you delighted in the truth, that you were full of hope and perseverance. Imagine if you were so full of the love of God from the time that you spent in his presence that you couldn't help but ooze God's love wherever you went. Imagine if you were so confident of your position and self in Christ that you regularly saw miracles. Imagine if you couldn't stop talking about how God had changed your life. What does your life now look like? What do your families look like? What does your community look like?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatest example of love that could ever be shown to us. We thank you that you've given us a guide and you've given us the spirit to help us to love in the way that you love. And Lord, I pray that you would keep working in our hearts, that we would understand the importance of love, that it is our greatest commandment and that it is our greatest weapon. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne and we say we love you, Lord. We love you, God. We love you because we love you. And we ask now, would you show us your love for us, that we would understand who we are in you, that you would fill us up so that as we go about our daily lives, that we would be able to pour your love into the lives of those that we come into contact with, every person that we meet. Amen. And lastly, there's one thing I want us to do. So um, does everyone have access to... um, pen and paper or notes function on their phone I was meant to get some paper and I completely forgot does anyone not have access to notes on their phone or pen and paper Wendy we're able to just find here we go Katie's getting something for you now (laughs) brilliant Unprepared. So there should be three questions that are going to come up on the screen. And these are three action questions. And this is something so that if you're like me, you want something practical to take away, you go, great, that message was fantastic. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change everything. And then by the end of Monday, you go, wait, what was that message about again? What was I supposed to have been doing? Oh, no, I've failed again. I've not done what I said I was going to do. So I've got three action questions for you to answer for yourselves right now so that this week you don't forget get what you want to commit to do. And the first one is, what do you commit to doing this week that will enable you to fall more deeply in love with God? This could be committing to spend five minutes every single day in the word of God or in the presence of God. This could be spending five minutes in worship every day or two minutes. This could be listening to UCB or Premier Praise in my car when I'm driving around, reminding me of who God is and putting him in his rightful place. And the second one is, what extra thing will you do this week to love yourself? This could be reading a specific scripture over yourself every morning that declares who you are in God. Like I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are chosen, not forsaken. I will not let you stumble. I love you because I love you because I love you. I know every hair on your head. Just reminding yourself of who you are in God and the love he has for you. This could be practicing the rhythms of rest like I just mentioned with Jesus. It could be making sure that you're taking yourself back to a place of solitude with God where you spend time just in his presence, loving him and being loved by him. And finally... The last one is, I want everyone to list three actions that you're going to take this week to bless your neighbor. This could be saying hello to the people you pass in the street. It could be stopping for somebody who looks like they might be having a hard day, who sat by themselves. It could be buying a coffee for the person behind you in the till. It could be 
asking God for a prophetic word for somebody within our family or outside of our family. It could be dropping a card into your neighbor's house because you know that they're going through a hard time. It could be cooking a meal for someone who you know is just struggling at the minute. Let's list three things because we want to transform our lives like we did in our, in our time of using our imaginations. We want to transform our families and we want to transform our communities. And these are actions we can take to make this happen. Like how great is it going to be if every single person in here does three actions to bless somebody in and around Newark or wherever you've come from? What are those communities going to look like? What are those people then going to do after they've been blessed? Are they going to go home and say, hey, do you know what happened today? This lady bought me a coffee and she said it's because God loves me. And she tells her friends and her family and then they go, that's really interesting. Wow. How great is that? So it's important to see that these small actions can have big consequences. It's like dropping a pebble in the water. Have you ever done that? And watch the ripples go out and out and out and out. And they just keep going. And all you had to do is drop the one pebble. And everything else just follows on from that. So let's drop a pebble this week and see what happens. And if there's anybody here this morning who is thinking this love sounds incredible how do I get this love I want to be loved because of who I am not because of who I'm pretending to be I want to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus into your hearts to be filled with the love of God to know who he is to know that you are safe and have eternal life through him because there is no greater love than this there is no greater love than this than to lay down your life for your friends. And that is what Jesus did for every single one of us, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we think we're too bad or too evil. He did it for us. It doesn't matter. No one falls short of the love of Christ. If you accept him into your heart, you are redeemed and you are made part of Christ's family. So there's a way that we do this every week and we have a prayer that comes up on the screen and we're going to read it all together so that that's, everybody's going to read it out loud. And if you're praying it for the first time, you're going to join in and you're going to read it too. And if, you, if this prayer uh, resonates in your heart and you think, this is for me, I want to make this decision today. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks or maybe it's your first time ever in church, but you decide, I want to make this declaration of knowing God. This is the beginning of a journey. This is not your destination. This is where you make your first step on that journey. And so everyone's going to pray it out loud. And if you're praying it for the first time, if you are accepting the Lord Jesus into your heart for the first time I'm going to ask that everyone after we prayed will bow their head and close their eyes and you are going to put your hand up this is a declaration for yourself saying this is a moment a marker a line in the sand I'm stepping from my old life to my new life and I'm accepting Jesus into my heart so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and this is also so that we can just come and give you some more information about this journey that you've just started so let's all read this prayer together Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. 
I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.